0: Your Bibles this morning. Why don't you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, I didn't know there was a 2 Corinthians. Well, you know now. Find 1 Corinthians and keep turning, and you'll be there. Well, I've mentioned this to you before. If you've been at Victory Life for a while, you know that I have a duty that goes beyond preaching, counseling, leading meetings, doing weddings and funerals, and making hospital visits. I have another sacred duty as pastor of Victory Life Church, and that sacred duty is to fight beavers who would want to flood our property. And the beavers returned. They returned, yes. Two weeks before we were set to have our awesome Christmas party where you got to walk up to the pavilion and have hot cocoa and listen to the carolers and enjoy all the beauty of that moment, we had a lake just west of the pavilion, Yes, the beavers had returned. They were making their dam for winter. And so I got my grandpa's knee-high boots from his days at Ohio Edison, and I went down to the beaver dam, and I destroyed it in love for this congregation. <laughs> and I, I, I looked, and by the time I got back up here to the main doors and was changing my shoes, the water level had gone down, Eight inches, just that quick. And I thought, by the time I leave work today, the water level will be down, the beavers will be demoralized, and it will all be taken care of. And I looked out three hours later, and the water level was still at eight inches. And I recognized something. There was a second beaver dam. So I went out to the second beaver dam, and I found something that Hoover would have been proud of. It was massive. A massive dam, bigger than anyone that I'd ever seen on our property before. And I didn't know what to do but take my, my spud bar and take my, my shovel and start to go at it. But it would have taken ten of us five hours to get this thing down. So I, I made some paths, and I, I, I got the water flowing, and the water started to flow, and I was so proud of myself. And I, I shouted some words at the beavers wherever they were, and, and the water drained until I came back the next morning, and the lake was back. So I went down there the next morning, and I broke down the same dam that I'd broken down the night before. You see, there's a reason they call them busy beavers. They had rebuilt the dam in one night. All of the destruction that I had wrought upon their lifestyle had been renewed. So I broke down the dam again, and I thought, "Mm, take that. Came back up to the building. The water drained. I left work. I came back the next day. We had a lake. I broke down in two weeks that beaver dam. And one day I broke it down three times. Three times. I broke down, I can't even tell you how many times, I sent people over the weekends to break down. Nothing was working. I was beginning to lose heart. Because I knew that I wanted you to be able to walk to the pavilion and have a cup of cocoa and not wade through a lake. And so finally someone here at the church called the trapper. And the trapper came. And here we walk the perimeter, we walk the property, and we get ready to to make our plan. And he goes, you know what, I'll put the traps out. I think by the next morning I'll have them. He puts the traps out. The next morning I went, they had rebuilt the dam and missed the traps. (laughs) Oh, I hated them. I hated them. And and at one point I thought there must be 15 to 20 of these beavers because the amount of work they're doing is incredible. Well, one day I came to work and guess what had happened? the trapper had found his quarry. He had found a 38-pound behemoth (laughs) that had been damming up the church property. And guess what? There was only one beaver. (laughs) He was the only one. But it wasn't until the trapper came (laughs) that there was any hope. Because I could have gone there day after day after day after day and done the same things over and over and over again, and I would not have accomplished anything Until the trapper came, and the trapper did for you and I a miracle. (laughs) And of course, we took that beaver straight to the beaver refuge. There's no such thing as a beaver refuge. (laughs) But you got to walk up to the pavilion at the Christmas party, didn't you? And the beaver was gone. We talk as a church uh, this year in 1920 about our main goal being to give it away. Way back on Vision Sunday, back in September, we said that we want to give away the treasure that we found in Christ. We preach from Romans chapter 10 where Paul talks about what we have in Christ being a treasure. And so just to have fun with it over the course of this year, we put these coins out and every time someone points somebody to Jesus, every time you invite somebody to church, every time you have a gospel-centered conversation, every time you share the gospel, we've invited you to come and drop a coin in. And we said that it would probably take 6,000 touch points to fill up this container. And I will tell you, it's about a third full right now to a quarter full. We've got two, two trimesters to go. But as we talk about moving into what God has for us the new year, we want to come back to our task The task at hand, which is to give away the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the truth is, this is one of the hardest tasks that we have as Christians. One of the hardest things that we engage in as the people of God is making sure that we're always intentional about giving away the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's easy to lose heart in this endeavor. It's easy to feel like we're making no headway. It's easy to feel like we don't know what to do next. It's a tough thing. You know, this was not only true for us, and is not only true for us as normal, everyday Christians, but it was true of folks in the Gospels or in the Epistles. Many of you know who the Apostle Paul is. He wrote a good portion of our New Testament. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes what could be called a passionate defense of his ministry. A passionate defense. A uh, 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 way of saying, you know what, I want to give away the gospel of Christ, that's my only aim, and I don't want anybody to say anything otherwise, that's what I'm on this planet to do. And he writes to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, one of the most beautiful explanations of what it means to be in the ministry of giving away the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if it's hard for you today to wrap your mind around this being your task as a Christian, if it's hard for you to say, you know what, I don't know that I'm giving away the gospel of Jesus to anybody, this is the passage for you. Because God has something to speak to us this morning that's going to encourage us to continue to give it away. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. One of the best uh, portions of scripture on sharing the gospel in the entire Bible. Paul says this. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We've renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways, and we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. And in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful, powerful couple of verses here. Paul is saying, we have a ministry, and it's a tough ministry, it's a hard ministry Sometimes it seems veiled to the people around us. Sometimes people's minds seem seem completely blinded or or cut off from the truth of the gospel. In fact, it's a ministry where we could easily lose heart, according to verse 1. Sharing about Jesus and wanting people to come to know him is something that it's easy to lose heart in, to begin to go, This is tough, This, this is hard. And one of the greatest evangelists, one of the greatest good news tellers in the history of humanity admitted this is really tough. This is really hard. There, there, there is a lot going on here in this whole idea of bringing people to know Jesus, and it, 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 it weighs on you. In fact, a little bit later on, he says those, those, those verses that maybe you remember were, were pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, uh, those, are, those are tough words. Those are tough words when he thinks about his evangelistic task. But he remembers, when he thinks about the evangelistic task, that he has a ministry, and he says, this ministry is by the mercy of God. Now, what is a ministry? I, I recognize now and again that we speak in Christianese in churches, and, and ministry might not even be something that, 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 that some of us have our, our, our mind wrapped around. Ministry, is a, it, it comes from the same Greek word as to serve, or our service. Maybe you've been watching some British drama that says, yes, that is the minister of defense. His, his service to the country is to make sure people are kept safe. And so Paul is saying, we have this service to perform. And he goes on back down in chapter, verse 5 to say, this service is to share the gospel with the world. That This ministry that we have is our service to the world to let people know that God loves them, that God cares for them, that God has a hope and a future for them, that, that Jesus has made all of this possible. That's our ministry. And the truth about Paul is the truth about us. That's our ministry too. That's who we are to be. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That is our service to perform in this world. It's the greatest service we could perform. Paul says that this ministry, down in chapter 5, is a ministry of reconciliation. That, 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 That Christians who know Christ are people who help other people become reconciled to God, to bring them back into relationship with the one who created them. This is Paul's ministry, but this is our ministry as well. And in this ministry, it's easy to lose heart. It's easy to go, that's tough. It's easy to go that stinky. I know that so many of us have at some point in our Christian walk decided we're going to give it away. We're going to invite people to church. We're going to share the gospel with folks. We're going to go out and, and perform some service in our neighborhood or our community that gives us the opportunity to tell people about the hope that we found in Jesus. But you know what? I have found over the course of the years that, that nobody really wants to listen to me. And I found over the course of the years that I, I, I never have the right words to say and I find that, 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 that sometimes people are mean to me. And I find that, that sometimes people reject me. And this is hard. And I think I'm going to focus on another ministry. I'll, I'll perform another service in God's kingdom. I know that this is the primary ministry that I have, but, but, but that's, that's tough. That's hard. That's full of fear and rejection and, 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 and hardship, but I, I, I don't know. But Paul doesn't say, I have lost heart. He says, because of the mercy of God, I don't lose heart. I don't lose heart. I keep going. Yes, I feel pressed, pressed but I'm not quite crushed. Yes, I feel persecuted, but I'm not quite abandoned. Yes, I feel like I've been struck down. Like that, that is the old English for he smited him with a sword and I laid there in my blood. I, I, I am struck down but not destroyed, says Paul. Because I recognize that the most important thing that I could do on this entire planet is to give away the goodness of God. You know, that's the reason that from here to eternity we're going to do something called the workshop. That's why we have a tell-the-story element of our vision here at Victory Life because we want to make sure that folks who go, this is hard, have an outlet to look at somebody else and go, yeah, that's hard, yes, it's hard but also to be in a small group with people going, we're going to tell the story, we're going to share the gospel, we're going to go out there and invite people to church, we're going to try to reconcile people to God, and we're going to use whatever means necessary to get that done. We're going to encourage one another, we're going to pray for one another, we're going to try to learn from one another, and we're going to do it. Because we have this ministry from God. Because we've received the mercy of God, and we want other, others to receive that mercy as well. Now, Paul begins to say how he does this and, and what he's found to be incredibly important to him in verse 2. And I want you to look at verse 2 because he says some important things about sharing the gospel. He says, we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning. We don't tamper with God's word, but by an open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What's Paul trying to get to? He's saying, I have this ministry, I want to share the good news of Jesus Christ, this is how I do it, I've renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. He says, you know what, there are ways to manipulate people. There are ways to be a stinker towards other human beings. Now I don't know what what disgraceful and underhanded meant for Paul, I really don't, I really don't. I don't know what what it meant to him to, to try to manipulate, maybe it was a certain use of use of rhetoric or a certain tactic of fear or guilt that he, he might have used. I don't know what that means for Paul, and I don't know what that means for you. And I don't, I, I don't know that I even know what it means for me, other than to say, if we are striving so hard that people might know Christ, that we begin to devalue people, I think we've lost ourselves. If we begin to do mean-spirited things that people might know God, <laughs> we've lost ourselves completely. Paul says, I just want you to be real. That's what he's getting at. I, I don't use underhanded ways. I don't use cunning. I don't tamper with the word of God. I'm just myself. I'm just me. I'm authentic. I, I share what I know to share. So not only does Paul say that, 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 that I have to be me, I've got to be real, I'm not going to use underhanded ways. He says, I also won't tamper with the word of God. I'm not going to try to make it easier than, than it otherwise would be for people to come to Christ by, by glossing over things that might be a little bit hard to explain. I'm not going to look at the Bible and go, you know what, I'm just going to leave parts out so that people might be saved. I'm not going to tamper with God's word. I'm not going to be somebody other than who I am. I am just going to, by an open statement of the truth, commend myself to the conscience of other people. I'm just going to be me, and I'm going to share what I know. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever wanted to share the gospel with somebody, and you've wanted to use a sermon that you've heard? Or maybe maybe somebody said something really profound in a life group, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say that to Joe over at work, Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna cut right to the heart. He's gonna right there kneel down and say, I need Jesus. Right, if I just if I could just say it like Mark said it to Joe, I'm gonna he's gonna, he's gonna get it. Right? That's not what Paul's arguing for. Paul's saying, you gotta be you. What's the truth for you that you can openly state to another human being? You know? I, I think for some of us, just 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 to openly like mention to folks at work or in our, in our school that we actually go to church. That'd be an open statement of the truth. Like sometimes we keep that close to the vest. <clears throat> They're like, hey, where are you going on Sunday? We're going golfing. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to church. Going to church. I, don't, I don't want to shove the gospel down their throat so I don't want to tell them that I go to church. Or, or to even let, let people know that your faith is meaningful to you, you know? Like, like, like to even even say once in a while, yeah. Boy, I was struggling with that same thing. And, and, and boy, my life group prayed for me at church. It really, really helped me. Like, that's an open statement. That's something that you know. That's something that you could share. You, you might even say, yeah, you know, I was, I was dealing with that. And then my pastor said this. Oh, I'll be shoving the gospel down their throat. No, you're just talking about a portion of your life. You share pictures of your dog doing stupid tricks at work. You're like, hey, look at this. Look, Bella did this, isn't this awesome? But then you're like, they're like, so what are you doing Sunday? I'm going to church. You know? We don't talk about our faith. We don't talk about what's going on in our churches. We don't talk about what's going on in our life. We, 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 we don't let people know that our faith is even meaningful to us, let alone like share the gospel. You know? And then when we want to share the gospel with somebody, we always encourage you to write your testimony. What has God meant to you? What has God done in your life? Not everybody's going to get up there and go, well, thanks for asking about what's gone on in my life. Bill, I'm ready to tell you. One day I went to church and I realized that I was a sinner in line for the wrath of God. And when I realized that I was a sinner in the wrath of God, I was then struck with the beauty of the cross. The substitutionary atonement of Jesus by repentance expediated my sins. And now that those sins are expediated, I have been justified, I am being sanctified, and one day I will be glorified. That's the gospel. But you know what, that is the gospel. That, that, is, that is what they teach you in seminary. You didn't go to seminary. Neither, neither did your buddy at work. Maybe you could just go, you know what, I used to be racked by guilt, and I'm not anymore. I know I've been forgiven by God. That's real. That's real. That's real. I didn't know what my life was all about, but then I found Jesus, and I know what my life is about now. That's real. That's an open statement of somebody's truth. What's your truth? And you're like, oh, my gosh, we have totally fallen into millennialism here, <laughs> right? Everybody's like, what's your truth? No, what? I'm not saying what's your truth like your version of the truth, like my version of the truth is thats that, is that Uh, anyhow, I'm talking about what have you learned? (laughs) What has God done in your heart, right? What's God done in your heart that you could openly share with another human being? Paul thought about these things. Let's be real. Paul thought about these things. If you read through the book of Acts and you see him teaching and preaching to different people throughout the Bible, you're like, oh wow, he's brilliant. He thought about who those people were and what they needed to hear. You don't need to do that. What you need to do is think about what God's done in your life. And be open to sharing it if somebody ever asked. First Peter, tell, First Peter tells us that we should always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. Are you prepared right now to share that with another human being if they wondered something about why you go to church? Why do you go to church? Bingo! You have an opportunity to share. Are you going to drop it back in the basket? or Are you going to put it in the, put it in there? What are you going to do with that? And by an open statement of the truth, by an open statement of what God's done in my life, if I could give you one task to do in this new year, this this would this would be incredible. If I can give you one task to do in this new year, when you do your when you read your Bible at home and when you pray, I would love you to read your Bible and pray. And as you read, think to yourself as you're reading, how would I, with what's gone on in my life and what God did through that statement, that story, that verse, how, that's meaningful to me because of this, and if I were to share this with another human being, I would say it this way. Let me try to explain this better. How, how cool would it be is if, if, in, if in your Bible study, instead of reading it to say, I'm being ministered to, you would read and you'd say, wow, God, you did that in my life. How would I talk to another human being about that if ever given the chance? Wouldn't that enliven your Bible study? Wouldn't that make you think, wow, I can do something with this Bible? You can can take the verses that you read, especially the ones that speak to your heart because God's met you right there, and you can go, whoa, how would I say that to somebody? That's what I think I'd say. You see, Paul says, by an open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everybody's conscience. Eventually, Christians need to tell somebody the truth. And I don't mean to, to jam down their throats, to preach at them, to, 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 to yell at them, you need Jesus! But just to talk about what you know. Talk about what God has done in your life. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to give it away if the opportunity presented itself? Paul says this, I recognize that our gospel can be veiled to other human beings. Paul says, I know this is hard. I I told the workshop last semester that one of the greatest gospel presentations of my life ever was on the way home on Portage Trail to a guy that was two classes up for me. He was a senior and I was a sophomore, and I just shared everything I had. I, I went for it, and he pulled into my driveway. He said, wow, Matt, that was powerful. He was not being serious. And he never spoke to me again. Doesn't always go well. You're going to invite people to church that tell you to take a walk. You're going you're to share what God's done in your life, and somebody's going to look at you and go, I don't need to hear anything about that. Don't talk, don't talk to me about that. People might say things that are hurtful to you. Paul says people have a veil. When it comes to the God who's created them and has good plans for their life. And you just have to be aware of that. He says, you know, the, 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 the enemy, the, <coughs> the God of this world, has blinded their minds. He says, this is not easy. It is tough. We recognize that this is tough. What I'm encouraging you toward when we as pastors say, give it away this year, invite people to church, share your testimony, let them know that church is meaningful to you, pray with people when you have the opportunity. When we say, give it away, We know it's tough, because it's tough for us too. The people that I share with, the people that I want to come to know Christ, it's tough. I see the veil. I see the blindness, and I'm going, I want them to know how much God loves them, and how good Jesus is, and how their life could be changed if they'd come to know him. I want people to know this, and they can't see it. It's driving me crazy. I want that for folks. I understand that when I encourage you to do these things, that it's tough. I sat for 15 weeks with folks in the workshop, and I heard their stories. I heard about the, the hardships, but I also heard about the victories. I heard about the stinky things, but I also heard about the resolve that they had. This is what Paul says, in spite of it being tough. He says, we don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We, we don't proclaim us. We proclaim him. That's why we don't lose heart. You see, you will be rejected, but it's not you. There's something bigger going on. There's a battle for them going on in the spiritual realm. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Lord. We don't proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus. We point people to Jesus. We expect people to be saved because Jesus has saved them. We look forward to sharing the gospel because Jesus has done incredible things in our life and we want to serve the world by sharing him with others. That's what we exist to do, that's what we're here on this earth to do from the time we know Christ to the time we go to see him, we are to be pointing people to Jesus. Not ourselves. Not ourselves. Remembering that in the midst of these circumstances, it's not us who we're proclaiming. It's Jesus. It's not us that's, that, 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 that's, that, that's missing it. They're missing it. We commend Jesus to them. But here's, here's the key. For those of you who feel today like maybe you've lost heart, Maybe you feel like you're just going to move on to something else. You're going to have another ministry besides the ministry. You can't be inspired to give it away. You were inspired one too many times, and it didn't go well. I want to read one more verse to you today, because this is the key. Paul said in verse 6, For God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You say, what does that mean? Paul likens the moment that you came to faith, the moment that you gave your life to Jesus, as just as big a miracle as the day God said, let there be light. darkened human heart not searching for God not desiring God not interested in the one who created them wanting to pursue their own ends and their own devices and their own lifestyle when that person came to know Jesus the light came on miraculously your moment of salvation was a miracle the light shone in the darkness. Why do we not lose heart? Because we expect miracles. We expect them for other people. The same God who has done a miracle in our hearts can do a miracle in the lives of others. He can bring those to faith who we would say they are so far away. The angry and the jaded and the defeated and the blatantly amoral. He can grab hold of their hearts and say, let there be light. I shared this on Friday night with our group that was here. I said, in the religion of Jesus Christ there is no heathen fatalism. There is no, well, they, they may or may not come to the lord. There's nothing I can do about it. Hope somebody reaches them. None of that. We press on. We push in. We work hard. We don't lose heart. We openly share the truth. And we expect miracles. Is there anybody that you're expecting a miracle for today? Have you resigned yourself To the idea that he or she could never, will never, won't. Or could it just be that the same miracle that happened in your heart can happen in the life of another person? The Bible says yes. The Bible says yes. So today I encourage you, give it away. Don't lose heart. And expect God to do did it in you, and he'll do it again. Let's pray.